tonight. Uh, we're going to continue our series. Well, wrong light switch. Living as God intended, uh, with Pastor Dave teaching us. So, um, if you have been with us last few weeks, we know we took last Sunday off for Thanksgiving, but we've been walking through the series of um, learning, reminding ourselves of what is the gospel, and um, talking about. Um, how to implement it in our everyday life, and talking about um, what it means to apply it in our lives, and how to live that out. And today, um, I'm really excited for Dave to continue teaching this, um, as he's going to be talking about, you know, what, what does it look like to live on mission to others who may not know the gospel, who may not be living out the gospel, and so uh, I'm really excited for that. Um, tonight, in your small groups, uh, with your note cards, this is what your note cards are for. It's f- for you to write questions that you have about the content. Some, something doesn't make sense, write that down on the note card. If you have a question about um, just what we're talking about, he, either here in large group or in small group, write that question down. Because next Sunday, after Dave's teaching, we're going to do a a live Q&A. We're going to take your questions and we're going to talk about them and uh, answer them. And um, so we need you to write questions so that we can engage with you and in that way. So small group leaders, first few minutes in your small groups, they're going to actually give you time to write those questions if you haven't already. I would like to see at least maybe one question from each person just to get you thinking of maybe a question of, hey, what does this mean? Or what does this look like for me to live out the gospel in my day? Or how do I share the gospel with someone on a sports team? Like, that could be a really great question, intent, if you can't think of questions. So um, that's what the note card's for. The other pieces of paper, um, one of them is to take notes. And then other one that has questions, the one that says good news for everyday life, and it has four questions on it. Those are your small group questions that you're going to go over. So you can put that paper in the back. Uh, and then the one that has more space for writing, that's one for you to take notes on. So be attentive. Give uh, Pastor Dave your full attention. We're grateful that he sacrifices his time. He doesn't have to do this. He wanted to spend time with you guys because he thinks this is valuable. I think we as a leadership team think this is valuable information for you to know, learn, and apply. And so please give your undivided attention to Pastor Dave. Thank you, Kent. Good to be back with each of you and uh, looking forward to our time tonight. And let me pray and just set my heart and mind where it needs to be and ask the Lord to, to use this time. Father, thank you for another day of life. Thank you that you are with us, that your children those who have put their faith and trust in the person and the work of Jesus. For those, Lord, who may be here that have not, I pray that even tonight your spirit might draw them to yourself and that, Lord, they might respond by faith um, because of your grace and your kindness to them and to us. So give us wisdom, give us eyes to see and ears to hear tonight. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. So we have been talking about the last several um, times that we've been together, the power of the gospel. And the first session that we talked about that entails the power of the gospel is that the gospel saves us from the penalty of our sin. 
Okay? And this is absolutely vital. Okay? You cannot skip this part and get to the next part and the part we're going to talk about tonight without first realizing the importance of having your sin paid for. In one of my quiet times this week, I came across this from, it's the Heidelberg Catechism. So catechism is a question, and then from that, it will give you an answer. Okay, and this is the, the question. According to God's righteous judgment, we deserve punishment both now and eternity. So how can we escape this punishment and return to God's favor? That's what we talked about in the very first session. All of us are born into sin. The Bible says that. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. Right? We are all born into sin. We all will suffer God's judgment and wrath and condemnation if that sin is not taken care of. I can't say it any nicer. I'm not going to say it any nicer because that's the reality. Right? You can't sugarcoat that. Every single one of us in this room has sinned against God and we continue to sin against God. So how then can we escape the punishment because God is a holy God. He cannot, he cannot stand sin. He hates sin. It has to be paid for. Well, the answer to that catechism is that God requires that this, his justice be satisfied. Therefore, the claims of this justice must be paid in full either by ourselves or by another, okay? Which means, right, we are dead in our trespasses and sins, but we talked about the good news, right? We had that image of the diamond on the black, right? You don't understand the good news until you understand the bad news first. You don't see the beauty of the diamond unless you see the diamond sitting on the black background, and so here's the beauty of the gospel that God sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to satisfy the wrath that was to be paid to us. 2 Corinthians 5.21, Jesus sent, or God sent him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Jesus came and was treated like you and I should have been treated so that you and I don't ever have to suffer the wrath of God. And the Bible tells us that by grace through faith, when we say, yes, Jesus, you are the one who has saved me. You are the one who has paid the, the price for me. You are the one that shed your blood to, to pay that cost. Then we, we become what's called born again. We become saved. We become children of light and no longer children of dark, darkness. We talked two weeks ago about how the gospel then saves us from the power of sin. This is where we struggle a lot in the Christian life is that we just think of it in terms of, well, I got my ticket punched to heaven, but now I just got to kind of mingle my way through life and I kind of just got to work my way through. And no, we are saved, being saved from the power of sin. Okay, what does that mean? It means that we have the spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead living in us. That's power. Okay, it's the growing awareness. You saw that uh, um, illustration of the, the triangle, right? The moment that you come to faith in Christ, there's this, this upward arrow that points up like growing awareness of God's mercy and grace and his kindness to us. 
But we also have that bottom arrow that says the more that we understand the goodness and the, and, and the righteousness of God, we also begin to understand how sinful we still struggle. We're, we're still struggling with this flesh. And the beautiful thing is in between that, the picture of the cross gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And what it should uh, work out in each one of us is an attitude of gratitude and faithfulness and, and worship and, and, and a desire to say, Lord, I want to live for you. And you guys had a chance, and I was really encouraged to hear that you spent a lot of time talking about the four G's, because this is going to be really important. Today, we're going to finish up the power of the gospel, and then we're going to introduce the purpose of the gospel, okay? And then next week, the beginning, we are going, I'm going to teach you this, this, this thing called fruit to root, because a lot of people are like, well, how do I speak the gospel to myself? How do I speak the gospel to my friends? How do I, how do I speak the gospel? And we're going to give you hands-on training next week that we will actually go through, we will walk through with it, and then we'll have Q&A to finish the four sessions. But we talked about God is good, so we don't need to look elsewhere, right? Your view and understanding of who God is and what God has done has great effect on what you believe your identity to be and how you should live. So God is good. I don't need to look elsewhere. He's all satisfying. That moment when you're watching TV and that, that, that scene pops up on the television, right? And, 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 and you're tempted to, to go to lust or you're tempted to go to something that is not pleasing to God. In that moment, you are faced with a decision. Is God good enough for me right now? Is he good enough for me right now? Yes, he is. How do we know that? Because he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ to make us his own, to save us from sin, to save us from condemnation. But you and I are faced every single day with the temptation to believe that God is good. The second one is that God is gracious. We don't need to prove ourselves. How many of us walk through life trying to prove ourselves? We try to make people like think, oh, you're so good, you're, you know, you're not that bad, or, <clears throat> right? We don't have to prove ourselves. And the moment that you fail in your sin, yes, sin is awful. Do not become comfortable with it. Do not be like Gollum, right, in the movie The Lord of the Rings, right? He takes the ring and he's like, ah, the ring, ah, right? I want the ring, I want the power of the ring, right? Don't get comfortable with it because sin is destructive, okay? But when you sin, you don't have to prove yourself to, to God. He already proved his love for you by doing what? Sending Jesus. God is great, so we don't have to be in control. Right? How many of us want to be in control? And the last one is, yes, <laughs> me too. God is glorious, so we don't have to fear others. Right? I think probably one of the greatest uh, difficult things for teenagers is you guys struggle because you care more about what other people think about you than what, you, than what God thinks about you. Right? I have to look a certain way. I have to act a certain way. I have to do this. I have to do that because, man, all my friends are, are telling me I have to do this and I have to do that. You know what? You're never going to satisfy. You're never going to please them. The only person that you have to worry about is glorifying God. And you don't have to fear others. And the Bible says that when you are in Christ Jesus, perfect love casts out what? Fear. I don't care what other people think about me. I don't. You could walk up to me tonight and say, you know what, that's the ugliest pullover sweater I've ever seen in my whole life. And you know what I would say to you? I don't care. And I really mean that. 
right? Because why? God is glorious. I don't have to fear others. So today I want us to talk about the future reality of the gospel and how it affects gospel activity today. What I mean by that is this. <clears throat> how am I to live my life today in light of what Christ has done and is doing and will do? Right, because in 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 52 says, we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. Jesus is coming back. We don't know when, but he's coming back. And in that moment, your eternal destiny is sealed. You won't be able to change that. Right? So what does that mean for you today in terms of where are you at with being saved from the penalty of sin? How are you living in joy? <clears throat> How are you living in victory over sin in your life? And then what does it mean? Like when Pastor Kent says to us, look, we need to be obedient. We need to be worshipers of Jesus, right? People hear that and they're like, yeah, 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 what does that mean? No, that's important. Because it, it shows that we believe in the future hope of what Christ has done, and I'll explain that more, okay? We are not in eternity we, uh, with Jesus at this present moment. So how should I live in the present, okay? But what I want you to do in your groups, real quick, you got two to three minutes. What is one struggle, sin, or hardship in your life from which you would love to be finally and fully free? Okay? In your groups, you got two to three minutes. Discuss this. What is one struggle, sin, or hardship in your life from which you would love to be finally and fully free? Go. Hurry, hurry. Okay, what are some things that you guys shared with each other that you're willing to share? What are some things? Is anybody willing to be honest and open and vulnerable to that? Yes. Holding grudges. Good, thanks, Victoria. Right? Love to be free from holding grudges. Good, what else? Yes. Self-confidence. Okay. What do you mean by that? Help me understand that. Okay. Okay. Good. What else? Yes. Laziness. Good. Thanks for sharing that. Okay. Yes. Getting mad at siblings. Thanks for sharing that. Thanks for being honest. Any one more? Yes. Yeah, good. Thanks for being honest. Feeling like you got to be perfect uh, to other, in front of other people, right? And these are all struggles, right, that we struggle with. Things that we're like, Lord, I just, I just want to be done with this. But here's the beauty of the gospel, right? There is a time when that is going to end, and you're never going to have to struggle with that, right? But the, the big question is, how do, I, how do I deal with that now? How do I live now in light of that? Right? I have chronic illness. I don't feel good most of the time in my life. Right now I'm going through a really bad season of health. There are times, I'll be honest with you, I go to bed at night and I'm like, Lord, I would love to just close my eyes and wake up in glory. And every morning I wake up, I'm like, still here. <laughs> right? 
I can either go one of two ways. I can live with a future hope of like, yeah, I don't feel good today, but Lord, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to be victorious in you. Or I can live with this woe is me. Um, any of you guys know Winnie the Pooh? Right? Can you guess who my favorite character was in Winnie the Pooh? Eeyore. Eeyore was my favorite character. I mean, if you were a donkey that had a thumbtack stuck in your back, in your behind, because you had to hold a tail in there, I think you'd be upset too. No, I'm kidding, right? But Eeyore was like, hey, Eeyore, how are you today? He's like, I'm okay, right? I'm Eeyore, and I don't want to be Eeyore. I want to live in light of there is a future hope coming, but Lord, how do I live in the present now, okay? How does it affect my gospel activity today? How am I to live my life in light of what Christ has done and is doing, okay? N.T. Wright says it this way, our task in the present is to live as resurrection people in between Easter, right? You know what Easter is? What was Easter? The resurrection day, okay? And the final day. We live in what Paul Tripp says, the already and the not yet. The minute Christ rose again from the dead, right? We are resurrection people and we know that there's a time when jesus is coming and we live in that time and so what nt Wright is saying is that to live as resurrection people in between easter and the final day with our christian life corporate which means together and individual in both worship and mission as a sign of the first this is the kingdom of god that has broken into my life This is what the gospel, the good news of Jesus, has done. But it's not just a past reality. It is a present reality. That I can live from the already to the not yet as a foretaste of what Christ has done in me. Okay? So Jesus' return is good news for us. It doesn't mean we just sit back and we just... Don't do anything. What does it mean for man? In John 14, 1 through 3, he says this, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, and my Father's house has many rooms. And if that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. Okay? So don't let your hearts be troubled. There is a future hope and joy where, where Christ is going to take us home to be with the Father forever. And he says, I will come back and I will take you to be with me. Young people, this is not all that there is. Okay, 1 John 3, 2. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. This body of sin, pain, sickness, and death will be done with. Amen? That is great news. What does it mean for creation? In Revelation 21, 1 through 5, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, 
Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he also said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord is going to restore creation. The lion will be able to sleep, to sleep lay down with the lamb. Because right now, that's not going to happen. If I put a lamb in a lion's cage, what's going to happen? <laughs> the lamb's going to eat the lion, right? No, right? The lion's going to go, here, sheepy, 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 right? And they're going to prance around, and they're going to play together and do all these fun things, right? No, they're not. What's the lion going to do? Dinner. He's like, this is great. Right? Okay? Creation will be renewed and restored. I love to hike in the woods. I love that. I was out in Seattle several years ago, and we were walking through this uh, park, uh, and, and, I, and I just kept thinking in my mind the beauty of it, but you look all around you, and it's a sign of what? Death. You've got dead leaves on the, on the ground. You've got trees that are fallen and that they're rotting, right? You've got the smell of dead animals, right? Death, creation is, de is dying, and the Lord is going to restore that. And I'm going to make all things new. And you know what I love about this passage that I just read? Is that we will dwell with God. Have you ever thought about that? Remember when Moses says, Lord, let me see your glory? And the Lord says, you can't see my glory in its fullness because if you do, you will what? You will die. So he takes him and he hides him in the cleft of the rock and he comes through and he shows him his glory and he lets Moses see the very tail end of his glory. You know, when we get to go be with God forever, we will get to see God in all of his glory and we will what? Live Revelation says we don't need the sun, we don't need the moon, because we will be in the glory of God forever. I love that. Okay? So ultimately, salvation is not about being teleported, when we read these passages, though, out of our everyday existence. It is about our everyday existence being transformed. It is about ordinary life being renewed by the healing power of God. That's really, really important to understand. Okay? What does that mean? It means this. Ordinary life is not our problem. Ordinary life is actually quite wonderful when you think about it. A barbecue with friends on a hot summer evening, building sandcastles with your kids at the beach, laughing until your eyes water and your tummy hurts, Enjoying winter slowly turn to spring as trees push out white blossoms and the smell of wisteria fills the air. Ordinary life in the absence of pain and suffering can be quite wonderful, can it? Let's be honest about that. Yes. Is life all a drudgery? No. Are there moments of joy and excitement? I love a great cheeseburger. Okay? To me, that's wonderful. God cares about our everyday lives and this world, so his plan is to redeem it. His plan is to heal what is diseased, to fix what is broken, to right 
what is wrong. That is God's plan of salvation according to the Bible. One day Jesus will return and the life that we are familiar with will be fully transformed, not into something completely different, but into something completely perfect. Okay? Because here's, I think people get this false idea of what heaven's going to be like. People think that once you die and go to heaven that God's going to give you this white robe and a harp and wings and you're going to go around heaven like that's not what heaven's going to be. Heaven's going to be a totally restored and renewed creation. You know what I personally think? I think you're going to have the best cheeseburgers you've ever had in your life in heaven. I really do. I'm not saying that as a joke. What they're saying here, okay, is God isn't going to take the way of the pleasure of diving into a pool on a hot summer day. He's going to take away the risk of sunburn and skin cancer. God isn't going to take away the joy of being in love. He's going to take away the pain of divorce. That is the picture the Bible gives us of eternal life, life after Jesus' return. If God is going to come one day with his presence and power to transform everyday life, Everyday life must be important to him. Do not miss that. What you do today, tomorrow, and the next day, and the day after that is important to God. In fact, part of God's plan is to give people a taste here and now of what the future life will be like so they will want to be there. That is one of the most important roles that Christians are to play in this world. And as they learn to live here and now under the influence of God's transforming power, they give others a picture of the transformed life that will be enjoyed when Jesus returns. What they're talking about is that a great example is a, a movie trailer, right? You guys know a movie trailer, right? It's like that two and a half minutes of the movie that you see that you really don't know, need to go see the movie now because they show you all the best parts, right? You and I are to be a movie trailer of what is to come by how we live in the present. How you worship the Lord, how you love the Lord, how you pursue the Lord, how you treasure the Lord, how you walk in obedience to the Lord is to be a picture to the world of what is to eventually come in eternity. That's why it's important for us to live a life that, that loves God, that's obedient, that's faithful, that's worshipful, that's demonstrating to this world what that future reality is going to look like. I think that's really, really, really important to understand, young people. Okay? You see that, pic, that, that, that film reel, right? That we are to be a trailer of what is to come. Okay? So, what is the good news for everyday life? Christians are not only called to tell people about the good news of Jesus, which we are. We proclaim it. We tell people that we've been saved from the penalty of sin. We're being saved from the power of sin. We will be saved from the presence of sin. But we are called to be good news to other people. Each Christian is to live his or her life by the power of God in such a way that it gives people a preview of what life will be like after Jesus returns and that the whole world is renewed. <coughs> That's why it's so important, young people, that God has put you together as a youth group at Hype in your schools to be a corporate picture of Christ. 
okay? If you are coming in here on Sunday nights and you're like, yeah, praise Jesus, oh, behold, the, the light has come, right? And then you're going out and you're living like the world the rest of the rest of the week and you're talking like other people and you're watching things like other people and you're supporting sinful things like other people and you're going out and getting hammered with your friends and you're in uh, relationships with the, with the opposite sex that are not God-honoring, right? What are you showing the world? It's a valid question. What are you showing the world? So how do I do that? What would bring others the greatest good and God the greatest honor with my life in my sports? As a student? Right? See, here's an example. When you get your grades at school, right, your motivation for getting good grades in school isn't just so that you can get a scholarship or you can make the dean's list. Now, don't go home and tell your parents, like, hey, Pastor Dave told us we don't have to do good in school, right? That's not, my, that's not what I'm saying. But how do I glorify God in being diligent and responsible in my studies? Overcoming laziness, right? Glorifying God with how I live. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether you eat or drink, do everything for what? Glory of God. And eating and drinking are the most mundane things that we ever do in our life, aren't they? Right? We just do it. Like I go to the fridge, I grab a thing of yogurt, grab my spoon, I'm just like, I don't think about it. Okay? How about as a friend? How do I bring the greatest honor and glory to God as a friend, as a son or a daughter? When my parents ask me to do something, whether I agree with my mom or dad or not, the Lord says, honor your father and mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God has given you. How about as a brother or a sister? Appreciate the one young lady here that's like, man, how do I change how I respond to my brothers and sisters? My, my siblings. People in my family, right? Okay. What does that look like? How do I live in the future reality now? Okay. So we're not going to have time because you guys will discuss in your groups. But when you consider the lives of the people in your life, classmates, neighbors, teammates, and family, what is the apparent... What is the apparent purpose in life? When you consider the lives of the people in your life, what is the apparent purpose in their life? Now we're shifting from the power of the gospel now into the purpose of the gospel. And we'll go through this quickly because you, you guys will be able to discuss a lot in your groups. The second question was, if these people looked at your life, what might they say is your apparent purpose? Do you live with a gospel mindset? Do you understand why God has created you and what he saved you for? It's not that you're just saved from the penalty of sin, but you're saved for something. In Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, and you might want to talk about this in your groups uh, because, again, we won't have time to discuss it now. But write that passage down. According to Ephesians 2, 8 and 10, what has God saved you for? Right? A lot of people want to just go, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, but you can't go just Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. You have to have 10 in there. And we are not saved by our good works, but we are saved for good works. What is the difference? Okay? R.C. Spool says it this way, we are saved by faith alone, but not by a faith that is alone. 
What he's saying is, is if I profess to be a follower of Jesus Christ, that my life needs to match that. Okay? Again, we're not perfect people. But even in those moments when I sin, am I confessing that before the Lord? Am I asking for forgiveness from the people that I sinned against? Am I repentant? Am I turning from the false God and turning to the true God? Right? And so it helps to understand God's story. There are, there's, a, there's a big overarching picture of God's story. We're actually going through it in most of our community groups and our church family right now that talk about creation. Creation's really important because it establishes who is the maker of creation, who is the ruler of creation, and then what is your purpose, right? If you're sitting here tonight, you're just thinking, oh, I'm just this primordial slime that, you know, crawled out of some swamp billions of years ago. No. The psalmist says in Psalm 139 that you were formed in your, uh, in your mother's womb. <laughs> God made you. But we talked about the problem of rebellion. We won't go through all that. It's where sin comes in. But we have a promise in Genesis 3.15 where God says that he's going to bruise your heel, but you are going to crush his head. There's going to be a sin-crushing Savior, and his name is Jesus, and that's where redemption comes in. Right? And that's where we have the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The, the Savior has, is born. We're celebrating at Christmas that he comes and he lives our life and he dies our death 33 years. And he goes to a cross and he's buried and rise again in victory over sin and death. And now we live in this age, the church age. That, that, that one little blip there, the church age, which, which now says to us we're in the already but the not yet. So how do we live? What's our purpose? What's our mission? Right? Is it for you guys to just come and play Battleship at Hype and go home? The answer is no. <laughs> now is it fun to play Battleship at Hype? Yes. We talked about it already. Those wonderful things, those fun things in life, God, God loves that. <coughs> But if that's all I live for and that's my purpose in life is that, hey, I want to come and get snacks and Bible bucks and all these kind of things and then, hey, Pastor Kent, good to see you. We'll see you next week. No, it's I want to come and be encouraged with fellow believers so that we can go out this week and we can live in Eureka and we can live at, 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 uh, at um, oh. Manunk. What's that? Fieldcrest. I can live at Fieldcrest, and I can live at, in Goodfield, and Congerville, and EMS, and you guys, you guys aren't elementary, sorry. El Paso, there you go. Roanoke Benson, RB, right? You can live there with gospel purpose. So you guys are, and we are in the church age. That's where we're at. And there's a time when Jesus is going to come back, and he's going to restore all that. Okay? Now, again, we don't have time to do this. Here's another one. Matthew 28, 16 through 20. How would you sum up the purpose that Jesus gives his followers? Did Jesus say come and get everything you can in this life? Does Jesus say come and live the American dream? Hey, get a nice car, marry your wife, have two and a half kids, which I've never understood that. You know, when they average out kids, they're like, yeah, two and a half kids. What does that, what does that mean? Right? Have your white picket fence, your nice American home, all that kind of stuff. Listen, 
I'm thankful that I live in America. I'm thankful that I live in a country that's free. You are not here for the American dream. You're not. Okay? Matthew talks about that. What kind of power does Jesus have? How is this good news for the disciples' mission? What kind of promise does Jesus make to his disciples? How is this good news for the disciples' mission? And I close with this. Disciple-making is the process of helping someone understand the power of the gospel and the purpose of the gospel. Now you're going to get into your groups and you're going to talk about, so what does that look like? When Eli Zare is talking about, okay, how do I help make disciples of my own life, but then how do I help make disciples of Sam Eastman? What does that look like when I'm at Eureka Middle School? What does that look like when I'm out running cross country? What does that look like when I go to Wendy Puff's restaurant and I grab a pizza? What does that look like when I'm going to uh, Walmart to go shopping? What does that look like to make disciples of one another? Because disciple making is the process of applying the good news to every area of your life and learning to live in the new identity given to us through Jesus and helping others to do the same. So this is going to set you up for next week when we talk about, okay, how do we speak the gospel to each other? Okay, gospel fluency. The church has to grow in this. Somebody comes to you and they say, well, i got a problem. We say, well, I'll pray for you. Right? And that's good. We should be praying, but we should be able to say to them, but wait a second, let me point you to what is true. Here's who God is. Here's what God has done. Here's who you are. And here's how we should live as a result of that. And so we'll work on that next week. But I want you to prime the pump in your groups tonight, in your questions, for you to really do some self-evaluation. Like, do I really understand my purpose as a disciple maker? Do I really know what that looks like? And how, how can that change? And for you to walk away, here's my challenge to you, walk away with one or two action steps. Like, hey, I really want to grow in this area of making disciples. And maybe it's something like Eli says, hey, Sam, you know what? Let's get together Friday mornings, EMS. We're going to meet at the library for 10 minutes, and we're just going to spend time praying for our school. That's a great concrete example of like, hey, I'm going to pray for my classmates and my school and my teachers. Okay? So you are going to go to your groups, and you have questions to work through. And I would ask you to pray and ask the Spirit to show you Lord, help me discern my gospel purpose and what that looks like in all of life. Okay? Thanks for having me. We'll see you next week. I can pray? Yep, let me pray. Father, thank you for the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that it doesn't just save us from the penalty of sin, that we are being saved from the power of sin, but Lord, also we are going to be saved from the presence of sin. And Lord, what does that speak to our purpose now? that we don't just pray a prayer and get our ticket punched to heaven, but Lord, we can live with purpose and power now. Victory over sin. Encouraging one another to walk in obedience. Maybe we have a friend here tonight that's struggling to walk. Maybe they're doubting you, Lord. Maybe they're living in sin, that we can speak into their lives and say, this is not who God is and this is not what he's done for you and this is not who you are but that he saved you for something and that is righteousness obedience worship faithfulness
So give wisdom, Lord, to the leaders. Give vulnerability, Lord. I pray that there would be confession of sin. I pray that there would be a willingness to open up and say, boy, I'm struggling with this. Help me. That's what we're here for. That's what you, that's what you put us together for as a, youth, as a youth ministry, as a church, as churches in the area. So Lord, go before us. Help us tonight. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.